Welcome to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Sommerfeld, creator and author of the Healing After Birth guidebook and program. On today's episode, I have with me Michelle Omriel, and she is a transformational coach and a teacher of wisdom committed to helping moms transition from a partnership or marriage to becoming a single parent without the feeling of overwhelm or paralyzed by fear. Michelle has more than 10 years in personal development and eight years experience in co-parenting successfully. Through her own journey of self-discovery, along with over 10 years of transformational training, she tapped into her own gifts and inner strength to guide moms to return back to themselves so they can create a life they love and recognize. The process of how she works is unique because she's had an experiential and an educational mindset. From an experiential mindset, she's lived it and experienced it. She went from a contentious divorce and got to the other side through trial and error to become whole and confident. From an educational mindset, she spent thousands of dollars on studies and research about relationships and how they work. In her spare time, she enjoys yoga, gardening, dancing, cooking healthy meals, and anything outdoors to connect to nature and connecting with her eight-year-old son. You can learn more about Michelle at her website, michelleamriel.com. All links will be in the profile. I want to welcome Michelle to the, to the show today. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and connect in this way with you. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And <laughs> I know that I reached out and saw you, I think on Instagram. Yes. And, um, you know, this is just, it's just such an important topic of conversation for moms. You know, this, this conversation around transitioning from partnership or marriage to single motherhood to maybe even new partnership and Oh, the the intense journey that one has to go through, especially today. So yes, I agree. I, yeah. So <laughs> I, I wanted you on the show because I think I think we'll have a lot to talk about. And, you know, I thought I would start here um, to, to open up our conversation. You know, so in your bio, you stated that you help moms transition from a partnership to becoming a single parent without the feeling of overwhelm or paralyzed by fear, which yeah is obviously so needed because it's so incredibly difficult to navigate, especially mm -hmm. when the divorce is hot. Yes. And so, you know, what was your experience that led you to offering this kind of work? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a big story and it has lots of valleys. Um, this, this goes way back to when I was a child my parents divorced when I was five years old and they had a very contentious divorce and neither of them had the tools to heal. And I really think it was that generation too, because, you know, that they didn't have a lot of awareness around in that generation. So my mom did the best that she could. Mm -hmm. My dad, he flew like he, he, he got out of the marriage and didn't know how, how to deal with my mom. My mom was, my mom was very hostile and um, very high conflict. So the divorce happened and um, 
my dad didn't know how to connect mm. or how, how to see us. And my mom didn't know how to heal her pain. So what she was doing is she was taking all of her pain and she was projecting it onto her kids and not having an awareness around that. So all throughout our childhood, we heard things like, your dad doesn't love you. Your dad's not here for your birthday because um, he doesn't love you. He doesn't want to come see you. You see, he's not here. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, what I found out later, what was happening is my mom was just keeping my dad away. Mm -hmm. And so both my sister and I grew up estranged from our father. And I had, I remember having like like exchange exchanges with him off and on and seeing him off and on, but we really didn't develop a very close relationship with our father because we thought we, we would see my mom crying all the time. And mm -hmm. as children, we thought, you know, he was the reason why my mom was crying. And then we were hearing all these um, negative thoughts about our father. And, um, and so we believed him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up, I never felt safe in the home. Um, my mom was, my mom was very high conflict and didn't know how to communicate effectively. And she was working two jobs and she was trying to give us everything that she could as children. And so I didn't grow up with a healthy attachment with either parents. Mm -hmm. And then as I became an adult, I, I, I mean, when I was a child, I spent as much time away as I could away from the home because mm. I am a sensitive person. And I came out like that. Like I came out of my mom's womb like that. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of my childhood is a blur. I think I checked out of my childhood. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I mean, I checked out of my body and and I spent as much time as I, way, as I could away from the home because that's where I found my happiness. Because mm. my happiness was, was not in the home. I come from a very combative environment. And, and it's mainly my mom's family. Like, not just my mom. My mom grew up like that. So, you know, it's conditioning, right? We get conditioned and we absorb that, absorb that way of being. Mm -hmm. So that was normal for my mom. And so my entire, my, all my mom's family was like that. They would fight constantly. And so as I became an adult, you know, I started figuring things out and I was, but I didn't have the awareness then I was mm. suppressing my pain and I was self-medicating. And I, because I was estranged from my father, I, I was being promiscuous with men and I was looking for love outside of myself. I was, I was basically looking for everything outside of myself. <laughs> yeah. It's co a common story, right? It takes, <laughs> and just for, <laughs> takes yeah. it takes, um, you know, sometimes it takes these major catalysts for us to return home, to return in, you know, internal yeah. and to connect inside of ourselves. So thank you for sharing that, but yeah, continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was being very promiscuous with men. I was looking for everything outside myself. I felt lost inside myself. I did not have that connection, mm -hmm. uh, that alignment with myself. And, and so the first, the first realization, well, the first, I guess what I started to work on first was my health because I, I ended up overdosing. Mm -hmm. And so that was the big, like, aha, big, big tragedy mm -hmm. that happened with me mm -hmm. and so I ended up overdosing and I got a second chance. And so I started working on my health first. Hmm. And then. And so when you, emotional... when you say health, do you mean your physical health? 
or your my physical okay. health. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I started working. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yes. I started working on my physical health first and then my emotional and my spiritual health came, came late. Hmm. I'm working on, on my physical health and I had systemic candida all throughout my body because I wasn't processing the anger. I had a lot of anger Mm -hmm. as a child growing up that, that I was suppressing and I didn't have a healthy process to manage my own emotions. Yeah. You were never taught. You were never shown how. Yeah. No. And so I just suppressed all of it and it was causing illness. Mm. Like whatever you suppress is going to cause illness. And then, and as you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to start having symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so I tried every modality. I spent thousands of dollars <laughs> to try to treat this candida, right? Mm-hmm. And nothing worked. Mm-hmm. Nothing worked. And I, I was completely exhausted. And so I had hit rock bottom with that. And and so I started diving into my emotions a little bit. And I started, and this is when I started coming out of that. And I started, I started bringing in my emotional health mm-hmm. and, and I started like feeling my feelings and acknowledging them and accepting them. And from where I go back, like I had to go back, relive what I had went through. And because I didn't have a mom that was easy to talk to, I had to go through it on my own Mm -hmm. and speak to my mom in those moments and and go through that and really talk to my inner child and give her what she was needing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed, like, as I was acknowledging my feelings and accepting those parts of me, like really fully accepting me for, for everything, for my shadows for everything. I noticed that my candida was getting better hmm. and better. I was improving. And, and then I was candida free. Hmm. And so that was, that's what happened with my health. And then my health has been on the up and up like ever since, like hmm. I just keep, I just keep diving deeper and deeper into, and in, into being more healthy. And then I've been in and out of relationships. I've never been able to hold a relationship and no surprise because I didn't have the tools. Mm -hmm. I never, I was never taught the relationship tools to have a healthy, connected, conscious relationship. Mm -hmm. So then I meet my co-parent, father of our son. Mm -hmm. And this was the man, I mean, when I met him, I remember he courted me. This was seven years ago. He courted me and gave me everything I could ever wanted. And it yeah. felt like, like I was the princess and I had found my prince. And I thought this was the man that was going to take away all of my pain. And that was going to love me forever. <laughs> and that was going to be there through all the hard times. Mm-hmm. And, um, And, you know, for the first year, it was like a fairy tale. You know, Mm. we traveled all over the world. And I mean, we jetted all over the place. And Mm. we both had the same goal to expand our family. Mm. And when I met him, I was 38 at the time. And so we both had the idea, the the plan to expand our family. So we both got really busy with that. Mm. So I went on a raw diet for four months. And because I wanted to start with like a really, really cl- the cleanest slate I could start with. And I did a liver and gallbladder cleanse and I just got really healthy. We hired <laughs> a raw food chef, prepared all of our meals. Mm. And, um, and then 
and then I got pregnant and I got pregnant right away. And meanwhile, like side note, I hadn't done much of my internal work. Like I mm. started to dive into that, but I hadn't done much of my internal work. And you kind of cleared, cleared the candida and then I cleared the, the candida <laughs> mm-hmm. and then sort of stopped, stopped the deep dive. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, then I got, pre- then I started focusing my energy on getting pregnant because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought I was 38 years old. I didn't know if I was going to have problems getting pregnant or I was on the pill for so long. Mm-hmm. And, but I actually got pregnant right away <laughs> mm-hmm. and I ended up having a miscarriage, which my doctor said, Oh, that's totally normal. You're 38 and you know, your body may not know exactly you know what to do. And mm-hmm. so I waited eight months and then I got, and then I got pregnant again on the first try. And, and then Chase was born and I had a really hard start. Like this was my big wake up calls. I had a really hard start with the pregnancy because, um, I was having a home birth at home. Mm-hmm. And so I had a midwife. And where do you uh, live? Sorry. Where, yeah. I live where? in Austin. I live okay. in Austin, Texas. Okay. So you're, you're just direct South of us up here in Alberta, Canada. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I was having a home birth at home mm-hmm. and my water broke. So everything was, was, was progressing. Mm-hmm. And, um, to make, to make a long story short, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't descending and the next, and it was the next morning. So he mm. wasn't descending. And so my midwife said, we have to go to the hospital and get some help. Mm. And so as soon as I got in the car, it took me out of my zone. I was mm-hmm. going on 22 hours with no medication. So when I got to the hospital, I wanted an epidural and he hadn't gone through the vaginal canal. So I was, you know, able to do that. So as soon as they gave me the epidural, he went into distress. My oxygen levels went down, Hmm. my blood pressure went down and, you know, Mm -hmm. he was trying so hard to come out and he Hmm. had reversed, reversed. um, He went from the, the being perfectly, perfectly in where he was supposed to be and went the other way trying to get out. Hmm. And so he went into distress. And so Mm -hmm. I had to have an immediate Mm C-section. And um, when he came out, I remember I was sitting there and my co-parent was right there. And all of a sudden I saw this happened so fast. Like everything was just flashing in front of me. All the doctors were all like by him. Like there was a bunch of doctors, like 15 doctors right on him. And I didn't hear him cry. And I knew something was wrong and because babies always cry when everything is, is, is going okay. And Mm. I didn't hear him cry. And intuitively I knew something was wrong and, Mm. and they picked him up. They brought him over to me, showed him to me. And then they took him away. Like didn't Mm. say anything. They said, they just took him away. And I was like, why can't I hold my baby? What's, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? And my co-parent knew what was going on, but he didn't want me too stressed or to worry. And he said, they're, you know, they just need to go bathe him and you're going to see him in a little bit. Well, the doctors came in Mm. and they said, we just want to let you know that your son lost oxygen Mm. and we don't know for how long, but he was born with an APGOR score of zero, meaning nothing was, and they're supposed to be born with an APGOR score of 10. So we need Mm -hmm. to put him in a cooling therapy. And luckily this hospital Um, he was delivered by St. David's, um, central and Austin. Luckily this hospital had a cooling therapy. And what that does is it prevents brain damage Mm -hmm. and creates new pathways in the brain. Mm -hmm. So he had to be put in this cooling therapy for three months. 
And hmm. so I was going, I had had a C-section, so I was in major pain. I was having to go to the hospital every day, spend every waking moment at the mm-hmm. hospital to, to feed him my milk because I wanted him to get my breast milk. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm um, just, <clears throat> I'm going to interrupt for one moment. Okay. And just take a breath um, into the story. And, you know, I hear these stories often and I know a lot of moms have experienced similar but different birth stories, right? Yeah. And um, just want to acknowledge, you know, the, the journey that so far you've gone through, um, you know, in particular to bringing forth life, bringing Chase onto this planet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I am curious where you're at in terms of even the sharing of your story, you know, what happens for you when you tell your story. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Like what happens when I tell my story? Yeah. What are you experiencing as you're sharing this story in your body, in your heart, <sighs> in your mind? Well, it brings, it, it brings tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It brings tears to my eyes because he is such a miracle. Mm-hmm. He is such a miracle baby. And the fact that mm-hmm. I think about he struggled so much to get out, to get out. And he had the courage to, because long story short, mm-hmm. everything, like he has no brain damage and he's thriving in every way. Mm-hmm. And so he struggled to get out and to show up in this world, the way that, that he has chosen to show up. Mm-hmm. So the biggest feeling and thought that I have with that was can do it. I can do it. And that's what mm. gave me the strength mm. to go in there and dive deep into, mm. into all into my soul mm. and, and do all of my internal healing. Mm. So if I'm hearing you correctly, this, this experience of giving birth to chase really awoke something in you, e- yes. even in the hardship, even in the trauma of the story that, um, is, is forever etched in you that you're still carrying forward to, to be who we're going to find out who you are now. <laughs> um, but I am yes. I'm, I'm highlighting that because thank you very much for pausing there with me and um, yeah, you're welcome. dropping into the space where you're experiencing the miracle of it and the gratitude that you have because so often um, when we tell our story, You know, we can tell it from this place where, you know, we're just sort of like rambling it on, you know, and then this happened and then this happened and we get like escalated and we can kind of feel the adrenaline and we've moved out of our body and we've moved into our heads. And, you know, often this is how we tell our birth stories, especially the ones that um, have more, uh, more potential for trauma. Right. Right. Um, And, and very rare do we get to the place where um, the story is complete and that this did happen, but here's, here's the medicine that I've taken from it. And here's the blessing. Exactly. The the medicines, the blessings, the gifts, even in the hardship, here's the gift. Um, Absolutely. So I'm really hearing that, that, that there is the gift in it for you. So, so I just want to highlight and acknowledge that. So 
Yes. So your son is born. He's a miracle. Um, you yeah. have your co-parent there. This is still raw in your being as it will always be. It's one of the most transformative experiences of our lives. And, and I imagine now you're moving into this postpartum period. Yes. So um, long story short with, with the brain damage, everything came back normal mm -hmm. and he had to see a neurologist for a year and, um, and everything came back normal with that too. Like there were no delays. Beautiful. And the doctors came back and told me normally when kids are born with Apgar scores of zero, they're vegetables and your child mm. is a miracle. Mm. So, um, so that was a very pivotal point for me. And um, then I, I breastfed him for a year and a half. Mm. And when I started to wean him mm -hmm. off of breastfeeding, that's when I went through postpartum. And when I first, when I first had postpartum, I didn't even know that I had it. And so when you I say did, postpartum, are you referring to postpartum depression? Postpartum depression. Uh, okay. Uh -huh. Because my hormones had took a dip. Like they just right. took a dive. Right. And I had no idea that I even had postpartum depression when I had mm. it. Mm. I just knew something I didn't feel right. Um, I didn't want to connect. I didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, I didn't want to do anything. I, I didn't even want to connect with my child. So that's when I knew Mm -hmm. something, something was wrong. So towards the end of it, that's when I went to the doctor to find out, you know, what's wrong with mm -hmm. me. And my, my doctor told me you're going through postpartum depression. And then he told me some things to do. And I did some crazy things. <laughs> I mean, one of the things he told me to do was, you know, sometimes when you really get it when you do, when you boost your adrenaline, um, <laughs> you can knock yourself out of it. So literally Jennifer, I jumped out of a plane. Like th <laughs> this is how, like <laughs> I, I did, I jumped out of a freaking plane. At, at a year and a half postpartum. Yes. Because <laughs> I wanted to feel better. Oh my goodness. I, I wanted so it was to like feel shocking your, your adrenaline <laughs> system. Wow. And did that work? Yes. It seemed to work. I mean, oh my it, goodness. It, it, it was like, I mean, he told me some other things too, to go out in the sun <clears> and <throat> without your sunglasses on and exercise mm. and, mm -hmm. and, um, and so all the attention, all this time, all the attention got put on our son. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, my co-parent wasn't getting what he needed from the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so problems were arising, what were already arising. And, um, and he, he, he wasn't, so, he wasn't very good at communicating them. And mm -hmm. so my postpartum depression was like a light switch. You know, you turn on a light switch and you turn it off. Like one hmm. day, I, the, it just, the light switch went, went on and I felt normal again. Like I felt connected. Hmm. It, it was the weirdest feeling. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so, uh, but before that, I'm skipping hmm. something before that we were going through, like we were going through like problems have arised by then. And, mm -hmm. and he had left, like he left for like eight months and said, I don't know if I want to be married again and just left our marriage. And, mm. and at the and, time, and how, yeah, how, how postpartum were you when that happened? I was still going through postpartum. 
I was so still yeah. going. I, the light switch had not gone on, and that's why I needed to go back. The, mm-hmm. I was still feeling like postpartum depression, and mm-hmm. and he had left, and so it had triggered that abandoned wound right. from my father leaving. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then eight months later, he came back, and meanwhile, I was just, I was being really hopeful that he was going to want to make this work and seek therapy and you know, mm-hmm. hire a coach. And, and he came back and said, I don't want to work on this. I want a divorce. Hmm. And, and so now Chase is two around? Chase is one and a half. One and a half when this He's happened. One and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, he so you're in an aware. incredibly vulnerable, you're in a vulnerable time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerable financially, vulnerable emotionally, physically, you know, Absolutely. And shortly after that, um, our relationship got contentious mm-hmm. and, um, we went right into our mediation, mm-hmm. which our mediation for our divorce lasted about eight months. And it, our divorce cost a whopping $70,000 because we didn't wow. have, we didn't have the tools to communicate. So we hired attorneys to communicate for us. That was a huge learning experience for me. Um, just I can going... only imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he, and he got very high conflict. And um, so I had to navigate through that and I hadn't had the tools yet to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, we had a mediator that, that was helping us. And so we got through that mm-hmm. and the, the um, combative nature continued. Mm. And, you know, I had just gone through eight months of a divorce and, you know, through our mediation and it, I came out of our son, almost losing our son. So mm-hmm. at this point I had hit rock bottom again. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt what this rock bottom felt like because I never, I never imagined myself to get divorced or for Chase to come from a broken home. Cause at the time I thought it was a broken home. I felt like a failure. I mm. went into this shame mode of, mm-hmm. I took myself off social media because I didn't want anyone to know. And I just, I just became. Mm-hmm. And so a few things happened. One, I knew that if we continued, like I realized that I was, I was repeating the same pattern as my parents, right? Mm-hmm. From, from my own conditioning. And if we continued, I knew Chase was going to be affected and he was going to be damaged like I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I was, it affected me for, in, you know, for all of my life. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to have that because I didn't bring him into this world to deal with my chaos. I brought him into this world to show my best self. So that's the first thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that happened was I knew that I couldn't do it alone. Like I I just, I had too much to work through. I knew I couldn't do it alone. So I hired three coaches Hmm. because I I gravitated towards coaches, not, not therapists because I'm more spiritual. I, I carve my own path. Mm -hmm. And so I hired a parenting coach because I didn't know anything about parenting. (laughs) I hired, (laughs) I hired a couple's mentor that taught conscious. 
because I wanted to mm-hmm. learn what a conscious relationship looked like. And they're actually out of Canada, mm-hmm. um, where you live. And I found a woman here in Austin, and I still see her, mm-hmm. um, that I really resonated with. I wanted someone that could, I think every, every woman deserves to have a mom to know what it feels like to have a mom that's loving, supportive, nurturing, comforting, soothing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't have a mom like that. So I, I found a woman mentor that was, I mean, her hugs were so <laughs> healing. Right. <laughs> and so I found someone that could give that to me before I could give that to myself. So that, mm-hmm. That's what she taught me. So I started doing my work. Beautiful. I started diving in and doing my internal work. And, um, and so I learned, I learned a lot about myself. I started learning about myself and just accepting myself where I was accepting my past and being myself for, for, for who I am and, 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 and who I've become. And I found a healthy way to manage my emotions and to process them and, um, so long story short there. So this is, this mm-hmm. is years into it. Mm-hmm. I chose to be single because I needed this time to figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to figure out who Michelle was right? and develop a relationship with Michelle. And so I chose to be single all this time and, and dove into my work. And what I noticed, like th- this is when my my purpose found me and and this is how I segued into my own work Hmm. was by modifying my own behavior and showing up differently. I started to shift my co-parents. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. I started to influence him and shift him to show up differently. I mean, every one of my relationships actually started to shift. Can you give us an example of what you mean by changing your behavior? Yes. So what I was, what's that? Oh, I lost you there for a minute. What you would, okay. okay. So what you would do, I think is what you said. So, yeah. So what I would do before my co-parents energy would feel really big to me. Yeah. I mean, like, like I mentioned before, I'm ultra sensitive. Mm. And now I see that as a gift before I saw that as why do I have to be so sensitive? <laughs> you know, I, I could feel everything. Mm. And so his, his energy felt really big, like a 2000 pound raging bull coming at me. And so I would dim my light. Mm. So I would dim my light. I would check out of my body yep. and I would just want to run away. And then there were moments where I would just explode, check out of my body, explode because I didn't have a process of managing my own emotions and remaining calm and present and tuned in to my own feelings. Yeah. So now I'm able to be present with him and I've become triggerless. So, so, so if you don't mind, I'd like to explore this a bit more because that, that imagery of the raging bull coming at you is a really good example of what so many moms can experience um, during yes. those times of separation, um, especially because things can get escalated so easily, right? We're pushing all these buttons that we're unconscious of. So 
so yeah. a raging bull is coming at you and, and an instinctive response, especially a learned behavioral response is to check out yes. in hopes to protect ourselves from any potential pain, um, you know, or as you mentioned, to fight back without consciousness, right? So I call it flip, yes. flipping your lid. Dan Siegel talks mm-hmm. a lot about that. Um, so, so now you've learned some skills to stay embodied yeah. while a raging bull is coming at you. So, so can yeah. you paint the picture? Because that <laughs> I imagine would feel very scary for a lot of people. How do yeah, you stay so, embodied? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first I want to say, you know, your viewers and you might think this is a little cuckoo. No, 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 they won't. I, <laughs> <laughs> if they're listening. But I, okay. So I, I'm a very strong woman. I started to feel my strength. Like back in my divorce, I started to feel my strength and my, and my power, like to be deeply rooted in my feminine. Mm -hmm. I started embracing my triggers. Mm. I started embracing the challenges. I so I would put myself in situations and circumstances out where they were uncomfortable Mm-hmm. where they would feel so uncomfortable, my palms would start sweating and I would get triggered. And, and my whole, I would start heating up and I would feel like all mm-hmm. this energy was coming up into my throat and it was about to explode. And my first instinct was to run. I mm-hmm. just wanted to run away. And, and I did that in all of my relationships too. When, when mm. things got heated, mm-hmm. I would I would, you know, I would get out. Mm-hmm. And so I started embracing those moments and putting myself, putting myself with people that really triggered me. And, and that's <laughs> my mom, my mother and my co-parents. So now I mm. look at these individuals as, you know, individuals that have to be high conflict connected from self. I see them as gifts now because they so, have brought me to myself. I brought me, returned me back home to myself. Now, did you know, um, so therapeutically, that's a type of exposure therapy, we would call it, um, where you're kind of putting yourself in these highly charged situations um, yes. to, to be with the activated response. Did you know that you were physically safe? No. I did not. I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, physically. Yes. Emotionally. Mm-hmm. No. Physi- yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I didn't really, I didn't really hear what you said. That's physically. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cause, cause you could imagine. Yeah. You are unsure because of history. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, understandably that many, um, many of us who would, you know, be in those circumstances or have a history of being in relationships that are highly volatile, um, you know, the instinct is to flee and sometimes for good reason, right? Obviously, if there is the risk of physical threat um, or physical harm. um, They may have to take a different path. They may have to take a different path. But but most often, you know, in my experience, thinking of moms I've worked with and including myself uh, it's, it's the fear, the terror of the emotional and verbal um, kind of vomiting (laughs) that might, that might be projected our way. (laughs) 
and and that that in it, that's actually what we're most afraid of yeah. is being in the field of that it's the energy yeah. of that right yeah yeah so i'm really hearing that you found some power and some courage and so you decided <laughs> to <laughs> to kind of stand in the presence of that yes because i believe the only way well, one of the ways through it, mm-hmm. I mean, one, one of the ways to get to the other side is to move through it and to, pra- to practice, like, practice. Like if, if I continue to do the same thing over and over and that was to flee, mm-hmm. how, could I, how, how could I get better? Right. How could I get better at that? And then, and then learn more about myself. So I really reflected and learned more about myself and every little aspect of what was actually happening. Like, what did my body do? What, what mm. physical symptoms did I feel? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of energy did I have going into it? Like I looked at, I dissected all of that and looked at all of that. And, and then as I, as I practiced, I got better and better because I worked on each little aspect of that. Was there a moment where you knew you got your power back? When I became triggerless. Yeah. When I became triggerless, like it takes. Like you were no longer afraid. I was no longer hooked, afraid. And then I would no longer get hooked Mm -hmm. by what he would say to me. So I, I need to, I need to own my own my own medicines before I can do that because I would believe what he said. Yes. Like self with mm-hmm. self-worth was big for me. I would believe everything that he said and granted, you know, he was just projecting. He mm-hmm. was just projecting what was inside him. Right. Right. But I would believe it and, and it would become my story and, right. and it would, it would debilitate me for days. And so clearing out your, what I would call your inner debris, um, created spaciousness so that those hooks couldn't cling to. Yeah. So when he would project, it wasn't sticking. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I know who I am. And now I stay tuned into my feelings when Mm -hmm. I'm having conversations with him. Mm-hmm. So I can feel when the conversation shifts to something that's unproductive. Mm. And then what do you do? Well, I make a choice. Like I either, I either attempt it being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I say, you know, I'm committed to having a productive conversation and, you know, can you tell me how you feel instead of what you think about me? Hmm. So I'll, I'll get him, I'll try to attempt to get him to shift. But if he doesn't shift, mm-hmm. then I choose, I, before I, when I, I want to back mm-hmm. up a second, because before I even go into it, I got into a habit of observing people. So I don't go into a conversation with my heart open mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So I have a protection mm-hmm. and so I set some intentions and so I observe people and I take in what feels good and then I hold space. I hold a container of loving and unconditional energy mm. and then I give back what doesn't feel good mm. to me. 
And do you, and this is something you teach, I'm assuming. Yes. This is something that I teach. And then, and then I decide, do I want to participate in this? This is your power. This is your strength. Mm. Do I want to participate in what's happening or do I not want to participate in what's happening? Mm. Like, do I want, do I, do I, do I want to focus my energy on this or do I want to focus my energy on something else? And then if I cannot shift him, then I say, or influence him, then I say, you know, I don't wish to participate in this. We need to talk at another time. And I end the call politely. And so that starts to teach him what is it when you don't give it energy, it starts to teach him what's okay behavior and what's not okay behavior. But I still fully accept him for who he is. I don't yeah. try and change him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big part, right? Being able to yeah. accept that person for who they are, where they are, how they are, and knowing that it's up to me to decide how I'm going to show up if I'm going to show up. Yes. You know, that part of the protection is actually removing myself sometimes, yes. not fleeing, but actively <laughs> removing myself. Intentionally removing That's right. Yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So just sort of landing on that right now <laughs> as you're coming into, you know, the power of your story is, you know, I'm, I'm really hearing that the journey has brought you home to yourself mm-hmm. and in that you've learned how to navigate relationships, including your co-parent, your relationship with your co-parent yes. and that, um, that without forcing or needing to change your co-parents behavior or who they are, things have changed because you've changed your experience inside of yourself. Yes. And starting with mindset, Mm -hmm. starting with your mindset is number one. So, Mm -hmm. and this is where I start with my moms with what story do you want to create? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I I mean, that's funny. That's a lot. What leads my work. (laughs) What's yeah. the birth story that you want to tell? How do you want to tell it? Yeah, and it's and, full completion. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we have the strength to create whatever we want to create, and how you do that is is to put your attention on things that are going to contribute to that story. Mm. Don't put your your on attention on things that don't contribute to that story. And that is how I shifted my co-parenting relationship. We now have seamless and peaceful transitions. Hmm. And does things happen with him where he gets disconnected and he goes below the belt and things don't land right? Yes. But now I have tools. Hmm. I have the skill sets and the tools to navigate through that. And, and so, these tools are, and skills, these are, this is what you teach moms. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But Mm -hmm. I had to master them first. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my purpose is, so I realized my purpose has found me. I've always like for the past, like 10 years, I've started to think about, well, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And thinking I have to go out and find it. You know, it's out there somewhere. And what I realized was my purpose found me. That was like my big aha moment because when I started to realize like what I've done and, and what, how I've shifted, created my own story and shifted my whole 
relationship in every way and the way that I feel about myself, the relationship with myself, the relationship mm -hmm. with my son, I raise mm -hmm. him very consciously. I mean, I changed my entire story from, from how I grew up. Right. Yeah. And I and realized that... I could be teaching this. Mm. <laughs> I could be teaching this to moms that are struggling, that, that want to find their footing and their strength and mm -hmm. that are dealing with a high conflict co-parent, a high conflict mother, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. that are struggling with how to co-parent successfully and effectively. I mean, it's so needed. <laughs> it is so needed. It's an, it's an important purpose. So I'm glad it found you. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a few more minutes here, Michelle, and, uh, you know, I just want to acknowledge the depth and breadth of your story. I, I really appreciate you sharing it. And I think that um, we learn so much through our stories. So it, it's so it's so valid. And I know that our listeners will appreciate it as well. And, you know, maybe the last few minutes here, can you tell moms how they can work with you, what that looks like for them? Yes, absolutely. So right now I'm doing one-on-one sessions and I've created a customized program and I, and I do four, six or eight month programs based on, you know, they fill out a questionnaire mm -hmm. and based on what comes back from that and what intuitively, because I'm a very intuitive coach, mm -hmm. based on what skill sets I think they may need and what tools they may need. Mm. And what I'm working on, like for the future, is I'm working on doing small, intimate groups because mm -hmm. I think those can be so powerful. Where moms get together and and they talk, they talk about their stories, and it, you know, it's so healing for us to tell our stories mm -hmm. because we can all relate to something that that's in the story. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm, what I'm going to be doing in the future. For, for right now, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one sessions either by Zoom or in person mm -hmm. if the mom lives in Austin. Mm -hmm. And um, and so they can yeah. um, take this questionnaire on your website. Well, I send it to them uh, when I okay. when I first when I first begin with them. I mm -hmm. we do a thirty-minute complimentary discovery call. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. for me, I, I want to find out to work together yeah um because I, I don't i don't take on every client i mean i have to get a big yes mm -hmm. that i can help them mm -hmm. and then from there i send them the questionnaire and it's a very in-depth questionnaire ask them questions on mm -hmm. the relationship with self the relationship with their co-parent and the relationship with their child because mm -hmm. i think everything starts with yourself whatever you're seeing in your life mm -hmm comes back to comes back to the relationship with self and how you're showing up to yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. beautiful and then I use Trello I use Trello board oh, yeah. um, and that measures their success and mm. and um, tracks you know tracks everything for them and when if they sign up for I do drop-ins but if they sign up for a program mm -hmm. I bring in expressed homework. I've recorded videos, you know, they get a lot more. I have templates hmm. and I love the expressed homework part. Cause whatever I do a combination of an organic and structure and my, and my mm -hmm. sessions are, are one hour sessions. Mm -hmm. And from whatever comes up in our session, I then 
put in Trello, like their expressed homework of whatever's relevant mm-hmm. and what we talk about so they can apply it. So when they leave me, they're not like, oh, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. They, they have this express, this homework that they can apply to their daily life. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, comments that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I guess I would like to say, I mean, a lot of moms, what I, what I sense is that they're on the fence, Mm. like they're on the fence to do the work. And I want to say that, that I can relate and I can feel them because I was once there, Mm. but if I knew what I knew now, like the work, like, I just want to say the work is so worth it. Mm. The work is so worth it. So if you can push through that and and find someone that you rest because it's so much more blissful on the other side. I mean, my life now, I'm just ebbing and flowing. And my son is thriving. I mean, we're all thriving. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't have done the work, you know, our, our lives would be would be very different now. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And my mission, my mission in life is to raise, is to teach moms how to raise children that don't have to recover from that childhood. That's my mission. <sighs> yeah. Or, you know, I like to add or, or that they have the innate skills as to how to handle some of those challenges, right? That we teach them those skills to tolerate stress or how to respond to stress or conflict. Or... Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, thank you, Michelle. It was a real pleasure having you on um, the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciated hearing your story and sh- in that you shared it so vulnerably. And thanks for letting me dig in a little bit there. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So again, for our listeners today, this is the Healing After Birth podcast, and you can learn more about Michelle uh, on the profile at, and also at her website, michelleamreal.com. And I think that's all that I have to say today. <laughs> <laughs>